Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Renee. How has this fine British summer evening found you? Oh, good day. Well, the fine British summer hasn't quite found me yet. I was literally walking back from dinner tonight and I thought to myself, how do people live in this place? The weather here just sucks. What explains to me when, you know, you, like when I'm in, obviously when I'm in Australia or, or, or if I'm in you know, the US and there's a beautiful day, right? And you just see, you just know the English tourists because they're the ones that have literally like third degree burns on them because they are so happy to finally see sun, that they just lie there for hours or just walk around with, for hours because they never see the sun in this country. And I'm not kidding you. I've seen the sun very minimally since I've been here. So I don't want it, you know anyone from the UK to start like bagging me on Twitter, but you got to admit the weather kind of sucks here, but the people are nice. So they, that's what makes up for it. I mean, I think for whatever reason, every time I've ever been over for Wimbledon, it seems like the most amazing thing happens and the weather's incredible and it's sunny and it stays nice until 9 p.m. and there's like a tiny hint of a, like a little bit of crispness in the the air that's perfect. And so maybe it's just that the weather cooperates with the fortnight. And then after that, it doesn't because I've never experienced bad weather there during the summer. In the winter, you know, foggy and gross and nobody likes it. When are you getting over here then? Because, you know, I need you over here because clearly you're now staying that every time you're over here, the weather's good. So get your ass over here. Yeah. And I know you're coming over because we're having a great Racket magazine event uh, at Wimbledon. But uh, I'm hoping, I have heard that the weather is going to be fantastic this week. So hopefully, fingers crossed that happens. Good. Well, I get there uh, for middle weekend and I've already gotten some emails and DMs. And if you are lucky enough to be in my good graces, I will include you on the invitation. So, uh, you know, reach out if you are going to be there and I'll make sure you get a spot. Uh, So let's get right to it. What an amazing interview you have this week. This is somebody we've wanted to talk to for a really long time. This is the number one player in the world, Iga Sviantek's friend and uh, essentially mentalist. This woman is, uh, uh, by a lot of people's understanding, really, truly responsible for a lot of the success that Iga has had as a person, not only a tennis player, but as a, a, a human being really grappling with success and fame. What can you tell us about going into this conversation? I know you guys were trying to have it for quite a while. Yeah, so Daria Abramovich, who is uh, Iga Shantek's 
therapist, a sports psychologist, whatever you want to call her, um, you know, was a very good uh, sailor in her own right, growing up uh, wanting to sort of go to the Olympics and all that sort of stuff. And a terrible injury happened to her when she was 18. And so she thought, you know, how do I stay in sports? And she went into psychology and got her master's degree in in uh, psychology and is now, you know, is, being, is working with a number of sports athletes, not just Eager, but obviously her, her main focus now is on Eager because she's traveling a lot with Eager, but she has a number of people that work underneath her as well. Um, so Daria is just a fantastic person. I've spent a lot of time talking to her through the years. And, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about Daria and Eager is that, you know, they're willing to sort of be curious and you'll hear that in the podcast about being curious and about wanting to know more information. And, you know, the bottom line is, you know, her goal is to make and get Iga Shiantek to be in the best mental place that she can be to play her tennis. And clearly she's done a fabulous job along with obviously Thomas Wukarowski, who is her current coach in getting her to be in a place and a space where she feels really comfortable, really good, and clearly the results are showing. One of the things that I like so much about this conversation is I feel like one of the things that you're so great about is using these conversations with these exceptional people who are in and around the, the tennis world to really kind of create lessons for all of us. And I feel like that with Daria in, in particular is something that I'm listening for too, which is just this idea that, you know, happiness, balance, preparation, but also being in sort of like a flow state is something that's accessible to everybody. You know, it's one of the reasons I like to so much when we talk about doubles or legends or things about the game that feel like somebody else can sort of walk into whether they're an elite athlete or not. And I think for me, I hope that everybody's seeing the results that Iga has seen in the last couple of years. And not only that sees how happy she is. And I'm thinking a lot about the last couple of Grand Slam winners that we've had, especially on the women's tour, like, you know, probably with the exception of Ash Barty, like not a lot of them have looked super pumped to be there maybe. And I think, you know, one of the things that I love so much about watching Iga is she just so clearly is enjoying herself and enjoying her time and seems to have the right perspective. And I have to, I have to think that Daria is, and this approach is, is a lot, has a lot to do with that. Oh, a hundred percent. There's no doubt about it. And you know, one of the things that we have talked to, and she actually brings it up a few times in the podcast, but, you know, in talking to me is that she even brings up when I say one of the things that I am always very cognizant of with my players that I work with, and even clearly myself as a player, is that you've got to have joy for what you do and you have to have passion. Um, but really the most important thing is if you don't have joy in your, as you said, in your life, in your relationship, in your job, uh, it's hard to imagine you'll have a tremendous amount of success in whatever it is. So that's sort of like where we touch upon throughout the part, you know, you'll hear her talk about the importance of finding joy in what you do and, um, you know, and, and always bringing it back to the human interaction, being a good person, wins and losses don't define you. Uh, happiness defines you. Yeah, I think that's really important. It's very hard to get to that space. I have to tell you, as a professional tennis player, as a professional, anybody who's in a you know highly strung environment. Um, but I think she's uh, helped Eager with finding that joy in what she does in an everyday way. Something truly for all of us. All right, without uh, further introduction, here is Renee's chat this week from Birmingham with Daria Abramovich. Birmingham, yes. Did I say it right? Birmingham? Yep, you did. <laughs> Practically British. All right, well, hold on to your hats, the UK. I'll be in you soon. 
I want to welcome Daria Abramovich. Did I get that name right? Perfect. All right. That's that's important because, you know, Polish names are not easy to say. But I, I want to thank you, Daria. Say, say Tomek Wiktorowski. Yeah, Tomek Wiktorowski. Not bad. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> uh, Daria, thanks for joining me today. Um, it's been quite the well, let's say three months, well, almost two years really for you. But um, first of all, I want to introduce you. Um, you, of course, are the sports psychologist or psychologist for Iga Shiantek, uh, as well as many other great sports people over the last few years. Um, but the first question I always ask people that come onto my podcast is why tennis, right? But you are a whole different story. So first of all, a little bit about your background as a sports athlete before we get into what you're doing now. Oh, how much time do you have? <laughs> um, oh, well, as long as you want. <laughs> I I was uh, I was born at like the in the small city in Poland, the longest lake in Poland. And my first sport and my love of my life in sports is sailing. I was sailing since I was six, uh, and uh, I had my own competitive path in sailing. I won't say career because uh, well, I stopped when I was eighteen. I got injured. Uh, I fell from a trailer, broke my wrist, and uh, and then I thought I was eighteen, and I thought maybe there is a way to you know still be in sports after this twelve or so years, maybe like use this experience, do something about it. So a kind of a natural transition at this time was to become a coach. So I was very young. Um, I still was, you know. Um, just before college, uh, a lot of a lot of things happening. I was I was coaching in sailing for ten years or so, um, and then figuring it out that maybe there that there's something more in sport. I felt that even when I was still sailing, and then I want to talk about sports a little bit differently. See this, I'm seeing kind of from from different angles. I see it in a different way. And I decided to, after after studying sport, I, I decided to pursue psychology. And so here I am right now uh, working as a sports and performance psychologist, but having this, I, I'd say, a lot of experience in many different roles in sport. Yeah, so, you know, it's, I, I want to get into a little bit of your performance as a as a high level athlete as as a sailor and then your injury comes how did that past for you help you today understand the mindset of an athlete rather than sometimes sports athletes or sports psychologists really just study psychology and then they go into the sports world but you were in the sports world prior how does that help you today um, yeah, I think it's it's it helps tremendously. It it's just something that I think on many occasions makes me really reliable in my work, and I kind of you know uh, see this when athlete or coach or parent is actually approaching me and we're talking, and someone says something to me, and I just say I understand in like 90% situations I really understand because either I've been there I saw this I've experienced it before but it only and I think that the thing that I'm going to say right now is very important for any coach or parent or psychologist or even athlete the most important thing here is it's only a tool once you work through it 
because injury in sport, ending career in this um, in in this way, might be disturbing as well. So what I did, I I went to a therapy first, and this is yep. something that everyone who's working in sports should remember that and an ex- that experience might be an asset only when it's a closed chapter for us when it's you know uh done deal so you're saying that once you finished your career because of a severe injury you had to get mental help for that to to process the next life I, for you um m- more i'd say I understood that if I want to be a good coach or later a, a good psychologist potentially and do ethically and professionally what I'm doing, it's necessary for me to, to be on the same page with all of my experiences, you know, to get them sorted out and to uh, feel comfortable with my past and everything that has happened. And that's what I did, basically. Yeah. So how did you therefore get involved um, with Iga Sviantek and her coaching crew? How did that come about? Well, it was 2019. I think it was February or so. And one of, one of the people who were at the time part of her um, like management team um, approached me and told me that there is this, there is this athlete, this player who's... Uh, was very challenging in terms of working with that I remember this vividly like this this person said that she's tough Uh, like what does it mean like she's tough in terms of approaching her or something Um, but that was it and uh, I said well immediately that of course I know who she is because I was following her career as uh, one of very promising uh, Polish athletes at the time and, uh, and I agreed. I flew to Budapest. She was playing the tournament. She says, uh, nowadays, she says that she was uh, surprised and, and glad that someone was willing to fly somewhere to meet her. Um, and uh, that's how it started. What, what surprised you immediately about her, other than the fact that she was already grateful that you took the time to come and spend time with her? And how does that shape her? as a person? Well, I'd say two things. And one, I'd say from more like psychological perspective. So I was impressed by how open-minded and aware of what she wants she is in terms even of, you know, including um, mental preparation. And she was immediately kind of curious and in and in following months uh, she agreed with my philosophy and my approach to the uh, things that we could we could do together and uh and then as an athlete or a coach i'll tell you this once i saw her for the first time in court and i think you probably will agree uh with me on that is that this fire impressed me that she has in her Oh, it's amazing. It was always, and I still, I love to watch her on court still. Yeah. You know, as a psychologist, but also as a human being, is curiosity the one of the most important things, as certainly as a young player, um, that you feel that they want to know more about how they can get better? Yeah. 
But I don't think that it's only for young players. I think it's for everyone, even, you know, the great champions. If if a great champion is still curious of what's going on and what it might, you know, he or she might be doing differently or better or maybe uh, something new, I think that's one of the best factors that you can have in sports. Is it important for you? Because one of the things that I talk about with my players that I coach is, you know, I often say to them, how are you feeling today? And you have to be honest with me because I can't help you if you're not honest with me. So is it is that one of the things that you are very adamant with Ega is tell me how you're feeling today for me to be able to help you. And, and also not only from a psychology standpoint, but from a coaching standpoint. First things first, you know, uh, working with top sport nowadays, from my standpoint, it's a lot about building a relationship between coach and the player, physio and the player, um, psychologist, nutritionist, anyone who's involved with the process manager. And uh, this is the part of building a relationship, being, you know, uh, well, curious in terms of being a coach or a psychologist of how a player feels. Uh, but also I'm asking a lot of questions like what, what, what funny or what interesting happened to you today? Uh, what's the best thing that you've achieved today? Um, did you learn anything? This is something that happens, you know, for example, once you, the, kid is, the kid comes back from school and the parent asks, how was school? And the kid says, good, but okay, fine. But also the, this, this parent can ask completely different question. Did you learn anything new? What was the most interesting thing that happened to you today? And it mm -hmm. makes, and it just shifts conversation completely. Mm -hmm. And something in something very similar happens in sports, I think. It's a very fundamental part of building a healthy relationship. Um, and, uh, and it really helps coaches, uh, parents, sometimes psychologists or, I don't know, managers to address expectations and needs players expectations and needs better yeah um what on tour in particular surprises you the most about a lot of the personalities that you see and i, I know you you and i talk quite a bit but you know sometimes we'll just talk about certain other players and what you're seeing what you're feeling what's this what's the thing that surprises you the most out here on tour mm. Mm. stubbornness I'd say. In, in, in what respect? Um, in a different matter, it's, it's not the same as grit and determination. I'd say being a little bit stubborn is, some, is sometimes repeating the same patterns all the time um, and maybe not being so open-minded to change some things or trying to be focused more on solving problems and not on the problem itself. Uh, so in, in this area, I'd say. As anyone who's been following along this show knows, uh, Renee and I both went pretty hard in the paint in March, not necessarily eating our best or living our most healthy, balanced lives. That's why we were so excited when Sakara came our way, offering to have us try out one of their three-day meals. These are nutrient-dense meals, snacks, and supplements that nourish your body 
We're practicing some abundance mentality this year. Um, and so Sakara joined us to sponsor the show for a couple of episodes and to help our listeners uh, get the same experience. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash racket or enter the code racket at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash racket to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash racket. One of the things that I often talk about is that sometimes, you know, as a coach, you work on backhands, forehands, how to hit the serve, all this sort of stuff. But one thing that I can say now as a, somebody who's been coaching now for, for a bit is that I work so much more on the mental side of it, almost as much as, if not more, than the actual tennis side of it. So what would you tell a parent or a young kid who's coming up trying to be a good tennis player? Like, what would you tell them about you know, the mind and how important that is to work on as a young kid. Probably the same thing that you're texting me from time to time, enjoy and fun. Yeah. Um, I was asked, I was asked the same question a couple of days ago during um, a conference and lecture with business, high performance business. And that was the same question. What would you say these, these people or, you know, at the, at the end of the day when they are so focused on their performance and I'd say, enjoy find this uh, this is something that at the end of the day will help to um to learn better to um create proper your know, patterns better routines better but also navigate through challenges and, and crises potentially because in high performance sports this is something that it's a you know this is a circle of life it's it just happened it just happens sometimes the crisis um the struggle the challenge um so i'd say yeah find the joy so how do you help Ega in that respect? Um, someone so young, someone with so much expectation on her shoulders. She had that tremendous win a few years ago, winning the French. What's the difference? What do you feel the difference is between her winning the French Open a couple of years ago and today? <laughs> this, is, this is such a good question. We've been talking about it the other day, you know, and I my, myself, like personally, it makes me so happy, this one, so proud because in 2020, we knew and we had this goal somewhere, right, a uh, long term, um, that she's able to to win this sort of tournament, the Grand Slam. Mm -hmm. But it still was surprising in many areas, right? It was. Yeah. But this time, it was all work, 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 and just so you know, like everything we tried to plan. Um, accept execute everything and embrace it and i and i sense that we were we managed to do that we were able to to work through it um she was number one she was clear favorite um she had a lot of pressure on her there was a lot of things around and we were all as a team uh, because this that was tremendous teamwork here uh we were able to do this so it makes me really proud because i i sense work through it you know yeah, 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 yeah. So the first time she won, obviously, zero expectation. Crazy that she was able to win the French Open, you know, three years ago or two years ago. 
no crowd, right? Very different sort of smaller crowd, mask wearing during the pandemic. And this time, wow, all the pressure. So what do you think she learned about herself then over these uh, last, you know, particularly three months, but really the last two weeks of winning the French, because that was totally different. Well, definitely a lot about, you know, what Michaela Schifrin often says, low expectations, high standards. So definitely that implementing this philosophy makes all the difference, that being solely focused on her strengths and um, and uh, keeping high standards in a lot of areas that are crucial to maintain high performance this is something that is uh that is the key and and also you know during the tournament itself i think it was more about recovery and keeping all the tanks fueled up uh and their energy level on on the proper level than than like practicing and doing other things um so basically there is that too uh, yeah yeah, I mean, I wish I could bottle a lot of, you know, the conversations that you and I have sometimes. And also, you know, I hear from parents and I see how intense they are with their kids. Um, how how do you think, you know, how, why is Eager able to, at this age, really sustain this now week in and week out so, so well? And, I mean, this is somebody who's talked about she can cry easily. She was... I mean, I saw her the day that she knew that she was going to be number one in Miami. Remember, she had that scared look on her face because it was like, whoa, this overwhelmingness. But well, because over 100 people approached us in Miami. And since, you know, the, like it, you could you could feel it that the world is turning on its axis. It was it was so surprising and so, so weird at the time. So that's why she had this place. So what was the first, what was the most important, do you feel, the conversation that you had with her in those moments when you knew that was going to happen? What was super important for you to get across to her? Becoming number one? Yes. Focusing, again, uh, being focused on the thing that we can control and she can control. So her performance, her recovery, being good to herself, being mindful, um, keeping things very simple. And you know she was she she actually said that publicly she was she was so sad <laughs> she was so sorry for Ash at the beginning that was her instant reaction, uh, and the, the, a lot of conversation actually was about helping Ia understand why Ash might made this decision because I don't I don't know right the details but I I remember you talked a little bit with Iga about it too so it helped a lot but we had a lot of conversations about that too so she'd understand uh what happened because Iga is is this type of type of person who wants to understand yeah yeah curious again right yes right yeah so where's the mindset? Um, well, before we get into the mindset now, um, I want to know what one of your what's your favorite memory? I think probably about a week ago might have been one of your favorite memories. But what, what's one of the favorite memories that you have from your time with Iga um, that you sat back at night and went, I made a difference today? There was this one practice in 2020 in Paris, Jean Bois. Um, second day, I think, so like five days before the first match of the tournament. Uh, and w- there was this conversation, obviously I won't say the details, uh, but that was a milestone for me. And I, and I have this in my mind, uh, and I'm, 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 hitting, I'm getting to it many, many times. 
I was so impressed also when I loved the moment last year. I think it, yeah, it was Indian Wells, October the 10th, because it's my birthday and she decided to donate um, some money for mental health organizations. It's not like, you know, um, sports memory, but yeah. that was that's also one that it's important for me. Um, and yeah, maybe even winning Rome this year for me, because that was the tournament when she well you know was met with this incredible pressure being number one being defending champion you're like just walking uh, through the tunnel you know and you saw this huge photo of you holding the trophy previous year enormous pressure a lot of polish people a lot of polish fans on the stands uh and then she still was able to deliver very good performance and again control the controllables that was something that uh, really will stick with me um uh for 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 a long time yeah there's a lot of these memories you know i think ev every single day we might make a difference if we try to do our work just simply stick to it so i was going to ask you what um you know to talk me through how you balance winning and losing i mean she hasn't lost for a long time so you haven't but had to deal with eventually. <laughs> I mean, but you haven't had to deal with that for a long time, but clearly she's lost before. How do you, how does she accept that? And how do you, as a psychologist, try and balance, because you know how hard it is out here. I know how hard it is out here to balance the winning and losing. You, you know how it is when they think that they're as good as their last match, right? It was always so even when I was a sailor, you know, uh, and in sailing, there is completely different system with like points, like places and winning, losing. And when I, when I was watching tennis as a teenager, I remember finals and the, the player who's actually losing the final, like what are the very first emotions that happen to be there? It's frustration and sadness. It's, it's, it's anger sometimes. It's not thinking I'm second in the tournament. So basically, I mean, at the end of every single tournament, there is only one person who might be like fully happy yeah. and satisfied. Yeah. And it's tough having yeah. so many weeks on tour every single year with this sense and this feeling, if you think about it from other sports perspective, for example. So what I'm trying to do is to show this different perspective that the player is a human being and it the player it doesn't mean that he or she is her a loser performance winner or a loser it just means that he or she won or lost a match a tennis match that hap that it happens that you know he or she'll have like so many so many more in the season throughout the season it might be a lesson or it might be a burden it's just a matter of perception. So, and the other thing that I really try to implement is to, to show that tennis, it's just, it doesn't disturb a life, a person's Does life. It, it's just it a doesn't... part of life, or sometimes it helps to run fun, a little bit different, adventurous life. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. Um, obviously, I know how it feels because I did it for 22 years. 
is that you really feel like I, I love the line that you said you're you're you feel like as good as your last match and most of the time you're losing you know um not everybody wins every week you know they're very rare uh, specimen. I mean, obviously, Iga has had that enjoyment of not losing a match for a long time, but she will lose a match at some point. It's not letting it define you as a person, um, but uh, it is so hard. And to pull people off the floor sometimes when they've lost a match is very different. You talked about uh, in an interview uh, the human anchor. Can you explain that to me and how important that is for a tennis player or just anybody in general? Mm. Again, Michaela Schifrin, she says that an athlete shouldn't be a lonely person, that the being in sports and doing this, it's so challenging, it's so hard. And with tennis, I think, you know, constantly changing time zones, obviously, I mean, tour level, right? Uh, yeah. Constantly changing, changing time zones, um, surfaces, space, places, uh, courts. Uh, it's so important from, you know, a uh, human point of view to, to have the social support network that is able to anchor you um yeah. so you're able to have the score the other metaphor that i was like using you know is once you have a tornado or a cyclone is that there is always the center of a tornado or a cyclone that it's there is very very it's very calm there yeah. and having the score this calm space inside everything that might be like you know there might be a whirlwind around you um it's something that just helps to be anchored um, yeah. in this yeah. in this challenging world, I think. And it actually is connected not only to tennis, but also to other sports or, or other professions that we're doing in our lives. Uh, one thing about that, you know, I've spoken about, you and I've spoken about, it's also coaching and how important it is to have the right coaches around you. Um, ones that are not negative, ones that are not abusive. We see it all the time on tour. We see negative, you know, people kind of screaming and yelling at their players. Something a little bit on Thomas and the difference that he's made with Iga and bringing his experience and how you guys work to, together and how that is, has helped Eager because you're saying you need an anchor, you need a good team, you need a positive team and one that you really feel safe with. Um, yeah. So what was the difference between, because she obviously worked a long time with Pietro, who was a really lovely guy, but so where's the, the difference and what's been the difference with having Thomas, with Kurowski? Oh, that was a, that was a good one, actually. Um, I, you know, I think all of us, we embraced... Um, this this experience um really uh being really again curious and and open-minded and thomas with his enormous experience uh but also his his confidence and also his uh very calm demeanor you know like he's so solid and he's um he's giving a lot of a lot of sense of a lot of security and uh and an expert expertise i think um yep. this is something that really uh that really, that really resonates and, and and is a very and it's a great value for the team not only ega but also for for a lot of us and we were able to um to start on a very good note with communication and work on our internal communication since day one um and we talk a lot actually we I think that's something that it's really also, you know, re extremely relevant in terms of creating healthy sports teams. Um, so, yeah, 
uh, I and guess... I think that and I think that Iga and Thomas they are all, they are both like analytical like very rational minds and they are actually clicking uh, pretty good on this human yeah. level so yeah that's it there's that I think what I hear in this is you Thomas of course the physio everybody in your team the main goal is well, how do we make our player the happiest and best and take our own egos out of it. And I think that's very important for any team that's getting built around a really young, good, solid player, like someone like an ego, so many, right? I mean, you know, just to bring up Emma Raducanu, for example, who won the US Open last year, you know, it's talk about a tornado. I mean, it's like a tornado all around. And I mean, you and I see, um, you know, a lot of dysfunction with these players of not having just a solid team all the time around them and how important it is. It's super important. I think we can, you know, see in, in many sports how important the team is, even in a very individual or even solitary sports. I think drive to survive, you know, Formula One is a proper example. You could see in the background basically how a lot of people are operating behind the scenes to um, to create the, the, the proper environment for a driver. So he's, so he's able to like obviously optimize the potential in a stressful situation during the competition, during the race. And also in other sports, alpine skiing again, so many people around, um, you know, cycling, especially road cycling. This is so interesting how individual sport becomes this, the team sport basically. And yep. I do think that there is this tendency um, and we will observe in following years, we will observe a little shift on how we will you know create sports teams and i think tennis is a is a good example and i you know yes i mean we're trying to uh, create the best possible environment for Iga so she's able to optimize uh again her performance and use her potential but also we're trying to be aware that tour is long that the career is is a marathon not a sprint Mm, so we try to complementarize we try to uh close some drawers open another and sometimes shift some stuff uh, and just have fun at the end of the day because sport is challenging. Life might be tough, even if you think that there obviously there is a completely different reality out there when you see like outside of sports. But for them, uh, for the players, for the coaches, for the teams, the sport is the most important thing that they have in their lives. So let's make yeah. it more enjoyable and fun. That's right. So how's the enjoyment and the fun going to go on the grass? <laughs> I hopefully, I mean, you know, I'm so excited with Thomas's experience and everything that he'd experienced uh, working with Aga. Um, and he's excited. We're excited. I hope. I mean, it's so, it's so nice to have player, you know, that happens to be number one in the world and then being aware how much you can how much you can improve in so many areas it's so exciting i yeah. can't i can't wait that's actually a great way of putting it and uh you know as as i've spoken about you and i are friends and eager and i and i've talked to thomas and one of the things that i said was wow how awesome is it she hasn't lost a match in like four months but yet she's got so many things she can improve yeah. on still as far as her game you know the serve the volleys the improvement moving into the net so it's all an exciting period of her life. How do, how do you keep her so grounded at this moment? Oh, she has this from her, you know. She, it's, I think the thing that we, we don't 
talk enough about is you know family environment i think aniga is so grounded because of her family uh, that's something that it's absolutely uh, absolutely great and also we talk a lot we talk a lot about in and not only Iga and i but also you know within to, within the team um about you know sometimes social and polit political matters sometimes sports and what's happening in sports and other things and as i said Iga likes to know she's curious but also she has this approach when before she expresses her opinion she wants to educate herself and she wants to understand so uh she wants to know that's why she's you know reads so much that's why she's searching for the knowledge and it's sometimes you know challenging because you have to keep up with her <laughs> but yeah. i'm really happy and excited because that's that's how my mind works too um so we are able to discuss uh, a lot of things yeah do you keep her off social media she I, I actually am asked this question a lot and I say, you know, that I, I, we don't want to create this, this bubble uh, or close our player in, in, in a golden cage, but yeah. I want her to be aware. So if she wants to be off social media because she feels, for example, that she's overwhelmed or, uh, or that, that she has too many factors and her nervous system is overloaded, then I can see that she's, yeah, I will stay off social media. And that's mm -hmm. something that, you know, uh, is my goal. I don't yep. want to be the, the you know, uh, the person who says, now it's, you have 10 minutes and now you're off. Yeah. Yeah. Because it just doesn't help us to, to help to, to teach uh, and, and, and raise an awareness. This is yep. actually the opposite. Yeah. So I guess, um, how many calls have you had to help other people? I'm just curious, do you know, do people make calls to you to want to, to help them? Not not as far as tennis, because I'd imagine you're off limits for any other tennis player, but any other sports approach you? I actually work with a lot of different athletes. Um, I mean, about 20 or so. So there's a lot of them, uh, but I run a team, you know, so there, I, I yeah. stopped counting the calls, uh, but I have a team and my team is awesome. And we try to deliver the best possible quality. So you're going to pass on your knowledge to all these parents today that hopefully listen to this podcast, that it's very important to let your child have a well-rounded life, but also listen to what they say to you and sometimes don't push them too hard. Yeah, be curious, have fun. Be curious and have fun. Well, you and I always have great conversations together and I hope it continues for a long time. It's so great to see Iga doing what she's doing and the happiness of the team and you're also so nice you know from top to bottom um i want to just end on a little story here uh that uh and i, I want to do this when i get eager for the podcast but i do want to tell people how nice she is because she lent no she didn't lend them to me she gave me some of her clay court shoes because i had to play in the old farts yeah. And she went into the locker room and cleaned them for me before she gave that's them to me. True. And I that's told true. you the story and you said, that's who Iga is. Yeah, that's who she is. Yeah. She's just a good kid. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for saying that. I'll tell, yeah. It. I'll tell her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She was, a, she was a very concerned that they were smelly, um, but they weren't smelly. They were fine. I've been in many tennis shoes that have been smellier. So as far as I'm concerned, all I want is to make sure that the, the footwork from the shoes is passed through into my body because I have to play the legends at Wimbledon as well. So, you know, maybe I'll come to her for some grass court shoes. 
I'll tell her to uh, to take uh, a spare pair for her for you. Yeah, just make sure they're smelly. Make sure they're smelly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, Daria, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, it's been really enjoyable. I could sit here and talk to you. You know, you and I could talk for hours and hours about the philosophies yeah. of the mind and tennis. Um, but I do think over the last, I would say, four or five years with, you know, Bianca Andreescu and yourself and a lot of players starting to talk about the importance because players don't talk about how much they talk to psychologists. And I think it's vital that they talk about it more because it will only help the younger generation get better and also happier in their lives to find that joy. I think the change is here. Um, and I'm so happy to, you know, have the opportunity to, to speak myself too. So thank you for having me and hope we see you on the grass. See you in uh, next week or so. Yep. Well, yeah. I, we, won't we won't tell anybody where she's starting, but we'll just tell you we'll, she'll definitely be at Wimbledon. So uh, I'll, I'll definitely <laughs> see you there, my friend. Thank you so much. All right. You have a great day. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.